You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Tonight I'm going to be ministering on the topic of how to believe when everything says you can't. Actually, what happened, to tell you the truth, I had a dream. And in the dream, I, I through the whole dream, it was like, can you believe? Can you believe? Can you believe? And so this message really came from a dream that I had. And I believe that many times we're challenged with voices from darkness, voices from the other side that tell us we can't do it. We can't believe for it. It's too, it's too big or whatever. I'm going to show you some principles today that will show you how to believe when everything is telling you you can't. When the doctor's report is telling you you can't, when the, when the economy is telling you you can't, when your checking and savings account tell you you can't, how do you believe? How do you continue to believe so that God can set you up in the future for those opportunities, for those uh, supernatural releases of blessings in your life? And one of the things I, I might mention at this point is that I'm charismatic. I believe in the supernatural. But I also know that God many times uses natural things that are fueled supernaturally that a lot of people never expect. If you remember the story of, of Israel when they came out of Egypt, that was pretty spectacular. You think about it, they had a pillar of fire during the day that, or during the evening that kept them warm. They had a glory cloud that was over them when they were in the wilderness. And, and you know, all the things that God did were visible things that they could see. But as soon as they crossed over Jordan, all of those things stopped, and they had to live by faith. And so a lot of the stuff, and then when they possessed the promised land, it was the same way. Uh, they didn't prosper because God was raining manna from heaven onto the ground. They had to go out and work with their hands. They had to plow. They had to work the fields. They had to paint their houses. They had to do all that. But God blessed that. And so when you're thinking about the blessing, remember that God uses doctors, God uses your labor, God uses all kinds of things that is fueled by the supernatural. But some people are so heavenly minded, they're waiting for an angel before they believe God's moving. Amen. Now, turn with me, if you would, or look up on the screen in 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to use this as our verse tonight. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, this is a very remarkable verse because John is telling us, telling all the believers that whoever is born of God has, not going to, overcome the world. And my question to you is simply this. Why would he say that when I'm sure in his congregation there were many people that were sick, there were many people that were broke, busted, and disgusted, and under severe trials. And he tells them, he says, hey, if you're born of, God, born of God, you have already overcome the world. I'll tell you why he says that, because that's what God says about us in order that we might release it in our faith and then become the reality of what he says. He said, what do you mean? Remember Romans 4.17, it says this, as it is written, 
I have made ye the father of many nations. Remember that verse? Notice God didn't say you're, not, you're, you're, you're going to become it. He says, I'm calling you the father of many. I made you that right now before you ever have a child. I mean, Sarah hadn't had a child. She's 90 years old. Abraham's almost 100. And yet God, it says, that in the presence of him, God who calls those things which be not as though they were. Now that's powerful because it's telling us that the Lord himself, God, calls those things which be not as though they were. And we know that Abraham picked up on it because God said, I want you to change your name from Abraham to Abraham. So he started calling those things which be not as though they were. And she didn't get pregnant for three months. But God, but he was saying what God said before the reality of it actually happened in his life. And that's exactly what John is telling us tonight. That if you're born of God, you're an overcomer. You're not overcome. You're a champion. You're a winner. You've already defeated the devil in Christ. You've already won the battle. You've already become a king and a priest. You've already become a conqueror in your life when you believe in Christ. And when we begin to voice that and act like that, we actually become that in reality in our lives. And give you an example of this in Scripture. This is in Colossians 2.15. It says this. It said that Jesus has disarmed the principalities and the powers and made a public a spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In other words, Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he defeated and disarmed the devil and every demon. How many know that demons come from fallen angels? It's a message I should teach one of these times. I did it one time on Halloween. They come from fallen angels. And remember these angelic spirits had an anointing, had power. You see it in the Old Testament where Daniel is fasting for 11 days and you see this battle in the heavenlies. These angelic forces still had power even though they were rebelling against God. It wasn't until after the resurrection or in the resurrection that all of those angels, God stripped them of their powers. He stripped them of those anointings. See, you can be anointed and use it in the wrong way. He stripped them of that, and all the spear beings right now have no power. All they can do is deceive and lie and, and do the mystery of lawlessness that we see so you know, prevailing in the world today. So when he said he disarmed them, they're disarmed. So you are, you have literally already become an overcomer. And if you develop your faith as an overcomer, what God says, and literally call those things which be not as though they were, the reality of it will begin to display in your life and begin, God will begin to bring things out in a great way. Now, here's the problem that a lot of people have. They measure too much by what they see and not enough by what the scriptures say. And because they measure by how much money they have in their savings account, checking account, or how much 
physical blessings they have in their life, then when they begin to decrease, they begin to question whether or not God's moving in their life. But when you believe, it's always in the invisible realm first. And it may stay in the, the greatest miracles you'll ever see in your life are invisible. Think about it for a minute. When someone gets born again, we don't see a physical change in the person. If they came with balding, they leave balding. If they come fat, they leave fat. They come skinny, they live skinny. In other words, the new birth is invisible. Greatest miracle you ever have. When Jesus did miracles, the greatest thing that happened is when you couldn't see it. When he cursed the fig tree, the greatest miracle was that night when it was withered, but no one was seeing it. it they didn't see it until the next day. So when you're in this battle and you're believing God for something that God promises and everything tells you, it's not going to work. You're not going to make it. Keep in mind, God does his wonders when you can't see what's going on. Faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. I've said this for years. Once you see it, it's not faith anymore. It's only faith when you can't see it. Once you get the bills paid, it no longer takes faith. Once you feel better in your body, it no longer takes faith. It only takes faith when you can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't touch it. It isn't faith until that happens in your life. And everybody said, praise God. Amen. So in 1 John 5, verse 4 and 5, he's telling us then that we are overcomers because of Jesus. Because he overcome the devil, he defeated the devil, he conquered the devil, he overcame the devil, he disarmed these demonic spirits. And now we are officially in him, seated in heavenly place. You can't see that, but it's true. And we are in a position that we are not someone running a race to win. We've already won in Christ. And the whole purpose of faith is to act like and believe like you've already got the victory, which spiritually you do, because here's the way divine healing works. Here's the way prosperity works. It always works. You have to spiritually overcome first before you'll outwardly overcome. And if you can't do that, you could be an overcomer and still be overcome. Can you say amen? And I'm not trying to make anybody mad or whatever, but if, you, if you're born of the Spirit and you say, well, I got overcoming, if you got overcoming faith, it is going to conquer your problems. There's no such thing as staying in that problem all your life and saying you had overcoming faith. No, you did not have overcoming faith. You had the potential, but you weren't using it. If you use it, that faith will, in fact, overcome the problems in your life. I don't care how big they are, how tall they are. The, the Word of God is true. That overcoming faith will, in fact, overcome those problems in your life. And you've got to remember that when you're doing this big battle of faith that all of us do. But here's one of the things a lot of people don't understand. And that is this. When you're talking about faith to get healed, to be delivered, a lot of people think they're in faith, but they're really in hope. A lot of people think that because they desire it really bad, that God will give it to them. But it doesn't work that way. Let me give you an example. You remember the story of the woman with the blood issue? Had it for 12 years. Now, 12 years is significant because 
it said she had spent all of her money on physicians. And this isn't like our culture. They had no Medicare, have no insurance. Only rich people had physicians. She must have been extremely rich to, to blow it all within 12 years, and she got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. This is what happens. She hears about Jesus speaking in the hometown, how God said, I was anointed by the Holy Spirit to set a people that are free uh, at liberty. And she heard that message, heard the verses, faith come, and she said in her heart and with her words, she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Now, how many know there was many people that day touching Jesus? He's a celebrity. There was many people seeking him that day. Just, and there was many people with needs that day that those needs were not met. So obviously, having a need for something is not enough, and seeking him is not enough. There's obviously something else missing that is needed for that overcoming faith to kick in. And we see it in the woman, which is amazing. Listen, listen, listen to this. She said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She didn't say, if I touch the hem of his garment, I hope I get healed. She didn't say, if I touch the hem of his garment, I might get healed. She didn't say, if I touch the hem of his garment, I got a good chance I'm going to get healed. She didn't say that. She said, if I touch it, I get it. So my question to you is, are you at that place? Or are you just at the place that you're seeking God for a need? Are you at the place that you just desire it? I, I've desired it. I desire it. desire it. Overcoming faith has to get to the place where against hope, you believe in hope. Hallelujah. If you don't get that far, the faith will not activate the promise of God in your life. And even though God really wants to touch you and bless you, he says, without faith it's impossible to please him. Why? Because he can't help you without faith. People think that God will just help people if they're poor, broke, and all that. Uh, that's not true. That's why he demands faith. There's people starve all over the world. And breaks God's heart. He wants to minister to him. But he is bound by this faith that he says has to be displayed. Hallelujah. So in the text, which is very important that you see this, the woman distinctly said that when I touch him, I'll be healed. It wasn't when I touch him, I might get healed. No, it wasn't like that at all. So my question is this, I was always taught, you know, if you seek God, if you cry enough, if you're sincere enough, God will answer your prayers. Obviously, that's not true, because there was all these people that were seeking him, all these people that were touching him, but yet the only one that God delivered was the woman that said, as soon as I touch him, I'm going to get it. Amen. Amen. And I think that when you look at that and examine that in your life, it, it begins to, you begin to realize that's why it's in the Bible. We are to follow the examples of those through faith and patience inherit 
the promises of God. In other words, another script says this. It says that we're to imitate them that through faith and patience inherit the promise. It is to imitate those that don't get healed. It is to imitate those that go broke. Is it imitate those that through faith and patience inherit the promise. Now watch this. Watch this. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians 4. It says this. It says, we having the same spirit of faith believe and therefore speak. We also believe and therefore speak. Notice Paul is saying, listen, just like it was written in the Old Testament, people believed and spoke. We'll go ahead and we read the scriptures and we believe and therefore speak. Now think about that verse for a minute. He followed the pattern of Scripture of someone who believed and spoke and God blessed in the Old Testament. The Bible, like I said, it means to imitate or, or follow the example of those through faith and patience inherit the promises. So I like to follow the example of the woman with the issue of blood. She believed, therefore she spoke. She believed, therefore she spoke. She believed, therefore she spoke. Paul did the same thing. He said, we believe just like they believe because we have the same spirit of faith. We believe, therefore we speak. But it mostly what we do, I think, is we verbalize our fears. We verbalize why we can't. We verbalize how we feel. And we don't follow the example. And we wonder why it's not overcoming faith and why it doesn't work for us in that area. Let me show it to you in a doctrinal issue. So often people have doctrine and it actually sabotages them because they don't understand it correctly. Whenever you study the Bible, we always do this. Uh, always make sure that you take it all the way up to the resurrection. Never stop until you get to the resurrection. Because the salvation God gave you isn't finished until Jesus' ascension. Once he ascended and sat down, it is finished. How many of you have ever heard this statement from people in church? I'm an old sinner saved by grace. Come on. I'm an old sinner saved by grace. That, that is Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to 24. I'm an old sinner saved by grace. Do you realize when you confess that, you are telling yourself because you hear yourself speak, that you're like you were before you got saved. If you're a sinner, you're addicted to sin. You can't do anything but sin. My Bible says in 1 John 3, 9, that whoever is born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot. In other words, the born-again Christian his heart never wants to sin. He may sin with his flesh, sin with his emotions, sin with his mind, but his heart doesn't want to do that. He feels terrible about it inside because he's born again. Can you say amen? But that statement is built on a truth that you were sinners and you'd fallen short of the glory of God before you met Jesus. Read the context. It says this in the verse of above. It says, that the righteousness of God is, or the righteousness of God is revealed apart from the law, witnessed by the prophets, it says. Hallelujah. 
the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And then he says, for we all sin and come short of the glory of God, and says we are justified freely by grace. Hallelujah. So the verses in that text are in connection with being justified. And, and I, lo I love the verse because it says this. It says that, that, that through the righteousness of God, we believe because of Jesus Christ, and it says, to all and in all, I like that. No distinction. In other words, this justification is for everybody in the church, everybody, whether you're black, white, uh, Asian, doesn't matter what you're like, doesn't matter your background, whether you've been under law or not under law, this righteousness is available to you in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. This is cool. The righteousness under the law was created from doing the law. So the more you did it, the more righteous you became. The righteousness we have from Jesus, you don't do anything to get it. You believe in him. He got it for you. So th this, is, this explains why some people, and maybe you've met someone like this, and I don't mean to make anybody feel bad, but you ever know anybody that all they do is find fault with everyone that's Christian? Always find something wrong. That is really a byproduct, and, and again, I'm not trying to make anybody mad, but it's, it's because of self-righteousness. Because you think your righteousness is the byproduct of your behavior, and when you do that and you're, you live a pretty good life, then you feel like I got to be judged now. Now I got to find fault with everyone else. But when you receive the righteousness of God, it wasn't like that at all. I said, Lord, thank you, thank you. I got a right standing with you, Lord, not because of anything I've done. All I did is accept Jesus, and I still got all these bad problems and habits, but. I'm right with you because I believed in Jesus. That's what he's talking about. So here's the part I want you to see. What you say about yourself will affect whether you can believe the promises of God. Because if you're always finding fault with yourself, always find, oh, I wish I would have done that. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. And you're doing that. What you're doing is you're measuring your standing with God based on what you do. And that's not how we do it. We live a righteous life because we are righteous. We don't become more righteous because we do something good. We do it because we are. It's like the eagle story. Ever hear the eagle and the egg story? Farmer's walking by in an eagle's nest. His little egg falls out from an eagle's nest. Doesn't break. He takes it, takes it into his chicken coop, puts it under one of the chicken's and eventually the egg hatches, and here comes a little eaglet. But he's hanging around chickens. But he's an eagle. But he doesn't know that. He thinks he's a chicken. And a lot of Christians think they're chickens when they're eagles. It isn't until that eagle swims by the chicken coop, and he looks up, and he calls, Whoa! That guy! is cool. 
My wings are big like his wings. And all of a sudden, enough of that revelation, he flaps away. That's what church is. I get all these little eaglets running around with chickens. And they're still acting like sinners. I'm still a sinner. I'm not saved by grace. And, and that, my friend, will prevent you from believing. Because God doesn't give me what he promises because I'm perfect. He gives me what, I, what he promises because of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. He is the reason why the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. It's not because of me or anyone else. All I'm doing is placing my faith in the one that saved me, praise God. And that's how this overcoming faith works. That's why when we started out in the beginning, he calls you an overcomer when you haven't overcome anything. Still got holes in your shoe, still fighting with your spouse. Still showing up late? Come on. And you're an overcomer. Turn to your neighbor right now and they say, it must be someone else down the street. Couldn't be for me. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Now, this next aspect, I want you to really get it because it's going to help you. How do I believe when everyone is saying and everything is saying, you can't? How can I believe for those things? How can I believe that I can actually have what God says I can have? How can I do that when, when all the circumstances are telling me, no, you can't, no, you don't have the education, you don't have the resources, you don't have the opportunities. How, how, how in the world can I believe when everything's telling me I can't get it? The key to it is understanding the faith that you have and the authority of that faith. If you don't understand the authority of it, you'll never have overcoming faith. You remember the story of the centurion? Now, this centurion is a great guy. Now, remember, he's a heathen. He's not a Jew. He doesn't have a, a covenant with him. But this guy wasn't a, uh, he loved the Jewish faith and believed in it. But because he's a Gentile, he's outside. They got the middle wall of petition in the temple. He can't even go to a church service. He's got to stand outside. He's got to ask the people inside, what, what was said today? Or listen to the, the scriptures being read. And he spent all his money and bought him and built him a church. This is the guy. Well, he has a servant that's sick and he really loves that servant. And so they asked Jesus if he would come and heal his son. And, and Jesus heads on his way there. Siren meets him halfway and says, or whatever, and says, Lord, you don't need to come. Not worthy you come into my house. Just speak the word only. It's good enough. He said, I've got people underneath me, and when I speak uh, an order, they go out and perform it. You just speak the word only, and that, that's good enough. And Jesus marvels concerning his faith. Totally blown away. He says, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. Greater than Peter, greater than John, greater than all, everyone he ministered to. This guy's not even a church folk. But he understood authority. 
He understood the authority of the Word of God, and he knew he was standing in the presence of the Word of God. And Jesus says, be it done to you according as you believed, and the miracle happens. But think about this for a minute. Most Christians do not believe that when they speak in faith, they're exercising authority. They're waiting for Jesus to do it for them. Lord, could you come down and cast that demon out? Lord, could you do this? Could you uh, speak to that mountain? Could you do that? And Jesus is waiting for them because authority has been invested in them because they are his body. Now, I want you to listen to this. When Jesus was on the earth, he put on flesh and blood. Why did God do that? Because God could not intervene in mankind until he had a legal right to exercise his authority. He had given the earth over, creation over to man, and said, have dominion. So the only way that he could get the, the world back in line was for his son to be sent and to put on human flesh, become human. And in his humanity, he was anointed with the Spirit. Bible said he was given the Spirit without measure. And we know he didn't do any miracles until he was 30 years old. Do you remember the story? Uh, John the Baptist, water baptized, and the Spirit came down as a dove from above upon him. How come he didn't do miracles when he was younger, when he was the Son of God? Because he didn't operate from that power. Even though he's God's Son, he never used it. He grew up, that's why you don't see any miracles the anointing of God comes on him. Say amen. So the authority was in his body because he put on flesh. And we know that Jesus had authority over demonic spirits and all this stuff. And we know that in the resurrection, uh, Jesus said that he is all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples, not just converts, of all men and women. A little paraphrase. But look at this. I want you to see this. Look at the power of this. The authority was in the body of Christ. And what happens after you're water baptized? You're baptized into his body. Into his body. The authority of Christ is in the members of his body. Paul's great prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, he said this, that he has put all things under his feet and made him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And everybody should get excited right then, praise God. That's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse uh, 23, I believe it is. Now, I want you to see this because overcoming faith won't work until you realize you've got God's authority in that faith. And it's in the body. You're the members of the body. Can you say amen? amen. And most people, they're waiting for the Lord to cast out the demons, the Lord to exercise authority when Jesus is waiting for you. You know in the Bible, and this is very remarkable, there is no reference of God himself 
ever rebuking the devil. It's always you resist the devil and he shall flee. Stand fast. Come on. It's always us. Why? That's the way God designed it. Satan could not be defeated by God until Jesus came in the flesh. When he hung on that cross, man, I tell you what, he defeated him. When he rose up, all that authority. Do you understand what that means? That means that God has imparted all authority in heaven and earth in humanity. In the body of Christ. Human beings. Whew. This is a key. And see, a lot of people, they, they go, well, pastor, I'm trying to believe, I'm trying to believe, I'm trying to believe. You got to believe that there's authority in your faith. Not just boldness and loudness, but actually spiritual authority that every demon has to submit to. Every unclean spirit has to submit to it. One of the things, you can try this out. If you ever go to a relative's house that's all screwed up, and you don't want to just verbally mess them up. Just as soon as you go in the doorway, just speak under your breath. In the name of Jesus, I bind all these spirits. In the name of Jesus. And you'll be surprised. They won't know what to do with themselves. Before, they're, they're evil. But now they're just like. Because there's a spiritual force behind them. And you've come into the room. And the devil wants you to leave. He don't want you to stay there and mess with them. Amen. So, so we have to put a demand of authority on the provision that Christ has provided for us. I'm not saying demand God to do anything. I'm saying put a demand on the provision that God provided for us. Put a demand on that. You know, if you got money in the bank, what do you got to do? You don't just go to the bank and hope they're going to give you some. I'm here. I got money in the bank. Can you please give me some? You don't do that. You have to officially put a demand on the money that's in the bank to get it out. They won't do it until you fill something out. And it doesn't matter. You can say, well, please, 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 give me some money for, so I can make my mortgage payment. They won't do that. You're going to have to take a withdrawal. You're going to have to put a demand on the resources. We need as a church to rise up and put a demand on the resources that God has provided for us. And in the name of Jesus, claim whatever it is that we need in our life. Claim it right now, praise God. And when you do, God can begin to move in a mighty way, in a powerful way, to give you the breakthrough that you need in your life. Now, here's what a lot of people don't understand. You're like a garden. Yeah, I mean, maybe you don't like gardens. You're all a garden. And if you don't plant what you want in that garden, the garden is still going to grow. The problem is it's going to grow what you don't want it to grow. It's going to grow weeds. It's going to grow sticker bushes. But if you want that garden to produce what you want, you're going to have to grow or sow in it what you want. Every believer should be declaring the abundant life. They should be declaring I'm healed they should be declaring I have more than enough with the plane left over they need to be declaring it because when you do that oh I don't even know if I need this is really good when you do that it sets in motion in the future what you need thank you for that weak applause I appreciate that thank you Now, now watch this. Let me show you something here. 
You remember when Daniel prayed and the angel appeared to him? Here's what he said. This is in Daniel. The angel appears and he says, since the time that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, you were, your prayers were answered. And then he says this, I have come for your words. Whew. In other words, this angel tells him, I'm coming for the things that you asked for. I've been sent by the creator to come for your words. The moment you prayed, it was released. The moment you prayed, God said, go down there and, and fulfill those words that that man of God just said. But most people are not sowing anything. They're just talking about the weeds in their garden. Man, I got weeds. Mine are bigger than your weeds. Yeah, I got weeds too. Yeah. Well, how did these happen? How did this happen? Maybe we need a new president. That's the problem. We need a new president. And we do, praise God. But, but the reality is we talk about that instead of saying, I'm gonna sow with my words. I'm gonna sow. I, my, my, my latter days are better than my former. Ah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to say that. My kids love the Lord with all their heart, serve them with all their heart. And maybe they're the most rebellious kids you can ever imagine. Maybe they fight every Sunday. I don't want to go to Adam church. Just say it. Just say it. Because God will come for your words. He's not going to come for worry. He's not going to come for fear. He's going to come for your words that you say. You remember uh, Caleb, he went into the promised land with, with 11 other guys to spy it out. And only Joshua and him had a good report. And, and he said this as soon as he got there. He said, hey, let's go up immediately. We're well able to do it. In other words, we're physically able to do it. We're physically able to take on these Giants that are nine feet tall because we're giants in the land. And you know what happened? The majority of them were a bunch of unbelief. So he didn't go and he suffered because of other people. You do that too. I do that too. We all do that. Suffer because of other people. But the words he said, God came for because 40 years later, he said to Joshua, I'm as strong as I was 40 years ago, right now at 80 years old. Say amen. amen. So God came for the words, but the words took 40 years because of other people's unbelief. I don't know about you, I got some words that have been sent out years ago. Years ago, and I watered all the time. You know what I did when I had nothing? I'd go out in our field, and all I would do is declare what the Word of God said over my life. We're healthy, wealthy, we're blessed, we have more than enough, plenty left over. 
I would just say that. I'd do it for hours. Pray in the Spirit, say it for hours. This is before anyone wanted to hear me preach. Before anything happened, I was declaring that and declaring that and declaring that. Now, here's, here's the part I want you to see. Soon as you release your faith in any area, any area, God becomes committed to lead you into the manifestation of it. People say, well, God's not leading me. Well, use some faith. He always leads those in faith. If you step out in faith, he'll lead you. But if you don't step out in faith, he's not going to bother leading you. He led us. He led us. I remember we were, Joyce and I, we were, uh, we were uh, building the building, I believe it was. And we went out to the Street of Dreams before they stopped doing it because somebody vandalized those beautiful houses. And these houses were multi-million dollar houses. Monsters. Huge. And we just wanted to go out and see the new way they're decorating and all that stuff. And I walk into these houses and I go, I'm going to get one like this. I declared it in faith. Obviously, I don't need one that's got 10 rooms. But I'm going to get one with some of this stuff in it. And I declared that. I remember that. I remember that. And then when we sold our house, I, we were just looking around. And I went into the home that, that was uh, the, the, the model home that everybody walked in. As soon as I walked in, the Holy Spirit came on me. And I knew this is the house. I just knew it. And I told the real estate agent, she gets excited until I tell her I'm a pastor. And she says, oh, no, no, it, it's way over your head. There's no way that you can. I said, listen. This is my house. I know it. The Spirit of God fell on me. Now, of course, she didn't understand what's going on, whatever. Make long story short, we did buy, uh, uh, buy the house, and, and we had to do a transition in between, and I needed $250,000 to, to, to help us do the transaction. And one of my friends loaned me $250,000 for two weeks. Hallelujah. Would you loan someone $250,000? No way. No way, Jose. That ain't happening, man. You just find someone else, praise God. But we've been blessed ever since then. Amen? The point that I'm trying to tell you is that when you believe, the Spirit leads you. He leads you to the people that you need. He leads you to the opportunities you need. He leads you to the events that you need. He leads you, now watch this, to the wisdom you need and all of a sudden, something will be set, and it just goes off. Whew. Never be led by your desires. Always be led by the Spirit. If the Spirit's not into the desires, don't be led by the desire. Only be led by the Spirit. Because the, the, God will give you desires, but if the Spirit doesn't go off in you when you have that desire, just set it aside. But when the Spirit is bearing witness to the desire... Then say, Lord, I'm going to believe in faith, declare it, and I, it might take you two years, five years, ten years, twenty years. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'll guarantee you this. The Holy Spirit will lead you one step at a time until you receive it. Because once that faith goes out, God is committed to bring it to pass in your life. You might need wisdom. You might need friends. You might need opportunities. You might need a job change. You might need this or whatever. And God will provide all of it for you. But you got to get in faith and release it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Whew.
Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.